0: Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Before this campus was built in 2002, as many of you know, St. Michael's used to be located just down the road on Bee Caves. And before the decision to move was finalized, there was an idea gaining traction at the old site that never came to fruition, an idea to catch people driving by the church each day with a massive neon sign with bold, blinking letters that said, Jesus saves off Westby Caves. (laughs) Many have suggested that we try such an idea here at our current location, a catchy sign off 360 meant to bring people in and whenever they suggest that I always wonder what I would want that sign to say for instance consider just a few signs that real churches have used to catch people driving by honk if you love Jesus text while driving if you want to meet him (laughs) if your life stinks we have a pew for you God expects spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. Um, These signs are obviously marketing tools meant to grab people's attention, to catch them, to get them into the doors of the church. I'm not sure it's exactly what Jesus had in mind when he looks at Simon Peter and says, do not be afraid, Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. But I do love this verse because it reminds us that evangelism is not an add-on to the Christian life that some of us are called to do, but rather something that lies at the very heart of discipleship itself. As the Book of Common Prayer puts it in our catechism, our chief ministry as Christians is to represent Christ and his church. And to bear witness to him wherever we may be. Wherever we may be. At home, the office, the grocery store, the gym, a bar, out with friends. God wants our presence to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And so here's the question I want us to wrestle with this morning. How are we to approach this work? This work of bearing witness to Christ and catching others to do the same. So I looked really closely at the Greek word in today's gospel that is translated catch, and it is actually a compound word, not one word, but two shoved together. And it's a word found only in Luke's gospel. And a more accurate translation of this particular Greek word would be to catch alive, or to capture alive. Historically speaking, it is a word that meant to revive, or to restore life to something. And so perhaps the best translation of this Greek word would not be catch, but the word captivate. That's a word that means to attract with beauty or excellence. And when heard through that lens, the meaning of Jesus' words to Peter sound a bit different. Do not be afraid, Peter. From now on, you will be captivating people. Now, on the surface, this may sound like a very odd thing for Jesus to say. But when heard in the context of the larger Lucan narrative, these words would have made perfect sense to Peter. Peter because this is not the first time that Jesus and Peter have met. Luke tells us that before this episode took place, that Jesus had been at Peter's house where his mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And as the story goes, Jesus entered Peter's house, healed his mother-in-law, and infused her with new life. And Simon Peter, he had a front row seat for the whole thing. Peter got to witness this amazing, this surprising, this unexpected healing. And I can't help but think that in that moment, Peter was utterly captivated by the presence of Jesus. In fact, before they even leave the house, we're told that all kinds of people were brought to Jesus. The sick, the unclean, the demon-possessed, the broken-hearted and people on the fringes, and that without fail, Jesus infused new life into every single one of them. And Peter, he got to see all of this happen, and I imagine it changed his life. You see, my point is that before we even get to today's gospel, and what I'm sure will go down as the most successful fishing trip of all time Peter has already witnessed the beauty and the excellence of this Lord who brings life to everyone he meets. Don't you see, Peter has already been captivated. Sure, he tries to wiggle away, but at the end of the day, don't we all? Go away from me, Lord, he says. I am a sinful man. But notice, Jesus doesn't even entertain the possibility Sorry, Peter, he says, you have been caught. And from now on, you will be catching people too. And so with that said, I want to return to the question we started with. How is it that God wants us to go about the business of catching other people for the kingdom of God? And the first and most obvious answer to that question is that we are to look inside and to examine whether we ourselves have been caught, which is another way of asking the question, do we in our own life know the beauty and the excellence of this captivating Lord who brings life to everyone he meets? Because here's the thing, human beings, we are very skilled at keeping God at a distance. It is very easy to relate to God as only an idea, or as a doctrine, or as a theological abstraction, or maybe to see God as an almighty and powerful judge who lives far, far away, removed from our concrete existence, when in reality, as St. Augustine once wrote in his confessions, God is more inward to me... Than my most inward part. More inward to me than my most inward part. The God we know in Jesus Christ has drawn very near to each one of us. And it's what I love about the story in today's gospel. Notice Peter does not invite Jesus into his life, Jesus just looks at Peter and draws Peter into his life. And Jesus is also at work drawing each one of us into a more intimate relationship with God. And we can tell Jesus to leave us alone like Peter did. We can do that. But as we see in today's gospel, Jesus' response will always be no, that as the book of Hebrews puts it, Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. And at the end of the day, It is precisely this realization that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. It is this realization that alone can captivate people in the long run and infuse them with new life. A moral code is not going to do it, nor is a brilliant theological system, nor is the newest and greatest plan to improve our world. Those things have their place But in the long run, the only thing that will catch and captivate people for the kingdom of God is a heartfelt knowledge of the unconditional grace of God. And let me tell you why this matters. The reason this matters is because over the years, I've spoken to so many people who have told me with a straight face. They've looked at me and they've said with a very straight face that their flaws are And their sins and their mistakes rule out the possibility that God could use them to make a love-spreading difference in this world. I'm wondering if you know that place in your own heart. Maybe you've had the same thought. And in those moments, I have to remind people that Christianity is not a training program for people trying to become perfect but rather a proclamation that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God has adopted us as God's children with a full knowledge of our imperfection. Because here's the thing. Whenever Peter said, I am a sinful man, Peter was not mistaken. Peter was absolutely right about that fact. Peter was a sinful man. Peter tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross he cut off someone's ear with a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane. He denied even knowing Jesus three consecutive times on the toughest night of Jesus' life. Peter was a sinful man. But here is what's so captivating about our faith. Jesus knew all of that, and he called Peter Anyway. And Jesus, he knows all of the mean and the selfish and the ignorant things that we have done or will do. And Jesus calls us anyway. And what I believe will captivate our world is a church committed to living that truth and preaching that truth and embodying that truth to people weighed down by fear and exhaustion and insecurity and guilt. I mean, is this not Paul's great discovery in today's epistle when he writes, for I am the least of all the apostles, unfit to even be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, he says, I am what I am. And God's grace towards me has not been in vain. God's grace towards you has not been in vain. And whenever we know that grace, not as an idea, but as a reality in our life, there is nothing more natural or sane than extending grace to other human beings. And if that sounds a little vague, let me tell you what I think extending grace looks like. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like mercy. It looks like patience. It looks like understanding and compassion and empathy. It looks like not insisting on our own way. It looks like making the most generous assumptions we can about other people and giving them the benefit of the doubt. And yes, at times, it even means speaking authentically and honestly about the God we know in Jesus Christ. Where? you ask, wherever we may be. And so will the catch at St. Michael's be as great as the one in today's gospel? Maybe, maybe not. But what I do know is that our work is to keep fishing, to let down the net of the unconditional grace of God, to leave behind our fear, and to stay open to whatever and whomever we catch along the way. Amen.